it's always a joy to stand in this pulpit. I said it's about the hardest place I ever preach, but it's one of the most joyous places to preach. And uh, so uh, look forward to it from time to time. Hebrews chapter number two. I got my new uh, Jerry Vines Bible. All these old preachers are dying out. Brother Jerry's still living, and uh, he he gave me this Bible, and he signed it for me. How many of you know who Jerry Vines is? Amen. I'm glad. One of the greatest preachers I ever heard preach, and one of the great men of God, and he signed it. And uh, I, I like it. It's got a lot of good outlines in it. This is not one of them today. This belongs to another guy. <laughs> hey, you don't know what I'm talking about if you ever get to church. <laughs> Someone said the most spiritual time in a, in a, pre, in a pastor's life is midnight on Saturday night. <laughs> He's digging through John Phillips. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts, according, uh, and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. I want to speak to you this morning for just a, a few minutes on the danger of neglected salvation. Paul is speaking in the book of Hebrews to save people, to people who have made a, uh, a commitment to the Lord and many times have drifted away. I remember the first time that I ever had a real experience with the grace of God. I grew up in a, in a very legalistic church, and I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, sorry of that, by no means, but I wish I'd have heard about the grace of God before I did. Uh, and when I'm talking about legalistic, I'm talking about uh, you, uh, you, you couldn't go to the movies, you couldn't, which you shouldn't go to the movies today because there's no good movies out there. But anyhow, a lot of things that we couldn't do. And then one day I found about the grace of God and realized there are some things that you can do. And I love that. But you know what I've, I've come to realize in, in the society that I live in, that we've come to the place that we almost use the grace of God for a license to sin. And sometimes we drift away as, as uh, I believe Paul is writing to the, book, to the Hebrews, we drift away from the reality of our salvation. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Dr. Jimmy Draper, who's a friend of mine and, and past president of the 
of the, not past president, but a couple of presidents ago, of the Baptist uh, Sunday School Board or, or Lifeway Christian Resources, writes these words. These verses are inserted as a parenthesis in the writer's presentation. He says, therefore, and that refers back to the first chapter of the book of Hebrews. They are an interjection, an exhortation of warning against a wasted life of neglect and indifference. He desires that his readers not neglect their Christian responsibilities. No matter how great the grace of God is, and there's no way we can describe how great it is, we still have a responsibility to live a Christian, to live the Christian life by the hand of God. And I just want to give you four or five things that are presented here in this passage of Scripture that are uh, our basic responsibilities of the child of God. Number one, I want you to look at the, the, the request. It's not exactly a request. It's actually a responsibility or a duty that we're to perform in verse one. The Bible says that we ought to give the more earnest heed to those things we have heard. Or he's referring here to the things of salvation. We ought to give the more earnest Heed. Sometimes I look at my church family, and and I and in the in my mind I say, you know, I don't, I just don't believe that we're really given the more earnest heed to the things of God and to living and being what God wants us to be. He says, "Ought to give the more earnest heed." That word "ought" is interesting. It's very simple. The uh, the meaning of the word "ought" it means must. We must give the more earnest heed to the things of God. Must. If you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus uses that word on many occasions. One occasion, he said, I must do the work of the Father who sent me. On one occasion, he said, I must work the works of my Father. And he uses the word must. That word must in, in our English language means that it's absolutely imperative that we do the things of God. It's imperative, folks, that we live inside the book of God. The writer of Psalms says that his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate both day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the river of water. In other words, the root goes down deep when we stay in the word of God. We must, we must give the most, the most earnest heed to the word of God. Give that word uh, uh, from... Uh, one writer that I read said this is a nautical term. It's applied to sailors trying to bring, bring a boat into the harbor and safety. This is not casual. It is disciplined. It is strenuous work. Listen, it's not easy to be a Christian. It's easy to become a Christian because the grace of God 
brings us to Christianity. I'm saved today not because of what I've done or any strenuous thing that I did to get saved. I'm saved because one day Jesus Christ went to Calvary's cross, shed his life blood, and got, got up out of the grave and lifted me up out of the miry clay of sin and established my going and saved me by his grace. But I want to tell you, after I'm saved, I'm to strenuously and without, uh, uh, without casualness, I'm to live the life of Christianity. Now I know God lives in us and it's he that lives in me, not myself, but I live for Jesus Christ. And, and, and here's the picture. If you're on a ship and you're trying to bring it into the harbor, you're to bring it in uh, with, without destroying the dock. And I will tell you, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to give our very best in service to Him. It's not always easy to be a child of God. It's not always easy to be a Christian. It's not always easy to stay in the book. There are times when, I'll tell you, I become lazy and unconcerned and, and almost lay aside the book of God. But I'll tell you, when that happens, you begin to drift away. He said you ought to give the more earnest heat. That means that we are to put our whole heart into it. There is a request or a requirement that needs to be made. Secondly, there is, is a requirement to pursue. Look at verse, verse 1 again. He says, lest at any time we drift away. Lest we drift away. I want to say something to you about drifting. I have a, a friend who... who uh, uh, who shipwrecked. And I asked him the question, what happened? And you know what he said to me? He said, I stopped reading the Bible. I stopped praying. I began to feel like I could handle it all by myself. And I began to drift. When a boat goes adrift, when it's drifting, uh, I'm telling you there is always a possibility of a shipwreck, of a crash. And, and it's not a pretty sight when one of God's children crashes. But I'm telling you, I don't believe God will go on with us very far until he lets us crash. Many times it takes that time of crash in order to bring us to the realization of how close we need to walk with the Lord. There's, there's something that we need to pursue. It's a requirement. Not drifting. Not careless. Drifting is usually slow and imperceptible. No one just stands up and shakes their fist in the face of the Lord. They just allow themselves to move away from diligence. I remember uh, several years ago, I was, I was fishing one night on Chatug Lake over in the, uh, in the far western part of North Carolina. And uh, uh, sometime during the night, the fog settled in. And somewhere or another, our boat uh, uh, came loose from its mooring. And we began to drift. I didn't know we were drifting until all of a sudden the, the boat hit the bank. Uh, I, I can tell you that uh, uh, it didn't hit too hard, but it hit hard enough till we knew we were drifting. But here's the sad thing about it. When we started shining the lights in that, uh, in that fog and that... Uh, mist that was rising it looked like the dismal swamp and you had no idea where you were 
And you know what? Sometimes when we drift away from God and we walk away from God so far, we get in the fog of life and it's like a dismal swamp and we don't know where we are and we have such a hard time getting back. God help us not to drift away. You know what happens? We stop praying. The Bible says men ought always to pray and not to faint. Pray without ceasing. The first thing that happens when we stop praying is we begin to drift. We stop reading God's word. We stop attending church. We put ourselves in a place of compromise, dishonesty, immorality, neglect of spiritual needs. I want to tell you, our, you know, I know I don't look much like it, but we, all, we want to take care of our physical being, but I want to tell you the greatest need we have in all of the world is to take care of the spiritual side of life, to live for Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to, to feast on the right things, to stay on our face before God. We need to pray and seek the Lord every day. There's not a day in my life that I can go without talking to the Lord. Drifting away. We need to, our spiritual needs are, are most, the most important things about our life. Amen? The third thing that I see in this is there is a danger. There, is, there are the results of disobedience. The results of disobedience. Look at verse number two. The Bible says, For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, in other words, if the word of God is steadfast, if we can trust it, if it's a foundation to build on, and he goes on to say here, if the word of, spoken through angel proves steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Folks, I hope you realize this morning that, that I'm not just preaching. I'm preaching to you and I'm preaching to me. And the Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I don't, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I'm asking you to look down in the depths of your heart. Are you saved today? Are you a child of God? Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Then, then he's asking the question, how shall we escape? In other words, there are some results to, to walking away or drifting away from the things of God. Transgression. You know what the word transgression means? It means stepping across the line. You can call it legalism or whatever you want to, but there are some lines that God has drawn that you and I are not to step across. There are some places we don't need to go. There are some things we don't need to say. There are some, there are a lot of, there, there is a line drawn by God himself that we're not to step across. And we, when we do, we've transgressed the glory and, and beauty of God's salvation. And how shall we escape? There's problems ahead. I can tell you, Sad story after sad story today of people who have walked across God's deadlines and God's lines that are drawn in the sand. 
and, and the people who walk across God's deadline never get saved or on their way to hell. And people who are saved and walk across the line that God has drawn for the reality of Christianity, when they walk across that line, they're in trouble. And there's a result. And many times the results are that Christ that I talked about. That, that there's, there's something. There's a result of transgression, disobedience. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at first began to be spoken to the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. You know, sometimes we have imperfect hearing, don't we? I, I, I lost a, a major portion of my hearing over the years, and uh, uh, I've had to get these uh, hearing aids. And uh, uh, sometimes I lay them aside. And my wife doesn't like for me to lay them aside. <laughs> David, I know you've got some of these. I you didn't want me to tell that, but I know you've got some too. Does your wife ever holler at you? Hey, we have imperfect hearing, don't we? One of, the, one of the problems that I have with my hearing is I may hear the sound, but I may not be able to discern the sound. And, 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 and that's, that's a, it's, it's horrible, really, when you are trying to communicate with someone and you can't understand what they're saying. And you have to say, huh? And uh, then they get frustrated and, you know, we have imperfect hearing as far as physical hearing is concerned as you grow older. And I had a, some damage done to my hearing a few years back. But I want to tell you something. Many times as a child of God, we have imperfect hearing. We hear what we want to hear. We have selective hearing. But I want to tell you something. You better hear everything God says. And hear it the way he says it. God never, never stutters, does he? One of the things about God is you can, he doesn't mince words. He's, he, he has clear diction. Is that the right word there, mister? Close. He speaks out. I, was, I have a, a lady in my church who's, who's a wonderful lady, and I'm not being, uh, you know, negative towards her, but she's a Yankee. <laughs> One guy said, we beat you anyhow. <laughs> this lady does, she, she has a hard time understanding my, my southern accent. And last night I said, I'm not a hireling. And she came, she came to me after service and said, what do you mean hiring? I said, what? What do you mean hiring? And then I realized what she was saying. I said, I didn't say hiring. I said, hiring. 
God doesn't speak that way, does he? Y'all don't know what I said either, do you? <laughs> hireling. Do you know what a hireling is? Somebody that's been hired. And, and I'm not trying to give you two or three sermons in one, but let me give you this. If you become a hireling, what you're going to do as a pastor of a church, if you become a hireling, you're going to try to impress everybody. And I was trying to get across to the church, hey, you don't need a hireling, you need God's man. You need a preacher that's filled with the Holy Spirit and called of God to be the pastor of your church. If you just get a hireling, why, whatever you pay him for, that's what he's going to do. That's good preaching it. Don't have a thing in the world to do with what I'm trying to get across to you. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? We can't walk away from Fruitland. You know, we're here, we're in a, a closed environment, we're in a Christian environment, and we walk away from here and we think, man, I'll get out yonder somewhere and I'll live the way I want to and nobody will know, but I'll tell you who knows. God knows. God knows. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. There, is, there are the results of imperfect hearing, careless hearing, or just plain unwillingness to hear. I hear folks in my church saying this. Well, I know the Bible says, but. Doesn't change God's word, does it? Everybody's doing it. I know the Bible says, but everybody's doing it to, hey, listen. God said it, and that sells it. There are results, catastrophes that come our way when we, when we neglect our salvation. Number four, the responsibility of our salvation. There's, listen, this is not just about being bad or good. This is about who we belong to. The Bible says for we're not our own anymore. We've been bought with a price. Let me, just, let me just point out three things to you. Number one, we serve a sovereign God. God knew us before the foundation of the world. God had us uh, on the line before we were ever born, we serve a sovereign God. We can't hide from God. We can't get away from God. God knows all about you. He knows where you're going and what you're doing and how you're acting. He knows you. I'm glad of that. Although it's scary sometimes because of the way I act. Sovereign. Sovereign Lord. Sovereign God. What does that mean? What does sovereign mean? Well, uh, in my dictionary, it means he can do whatever he wants to with you, with me, and with all that we are. A sovereign God, a saving son. And, and uh, you know, God sent his only begotten son, his one and only son, the writer of Hebrews says, into this world to be our savior and our Lord. The songwriter said, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. 
No one was ever willing to go to Calvary's cross and die in my behalf. No one except the Son of God who loved me and loves me and died for me. Doesn't that make it worthwhile? I'm not just, I'm not just in this, I'm not just a Christian today to try to get a reward at the end of the way. I'm a child of God. I'm, a, I'm God's uh, son. I'm, I'm the bride of Christ. I'm all of those things. And so therefore, that ought to make me want to live for Jesus and not neglect salvation. A sovereign God. A saving son. But here's what I appreciate about the Godhead. A powerful, a powerful Holy Spirit. God didn't just throw us out here and say, you're saved now. Go on, make it the best way you can. But I want to tell you, he came to live in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit is powerful enough and great enough to overcome the world. The Bible says, how can you that are dead to sin live any longer therein? The Bible says that uh, uh, he gives us power to become the sons of God. Listen, we do not walk alone. When we talk about the, the responsibility and, and the, the, uh, the, the work of being a Christian, it's not just the work that I do, but it's the work that Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, does through me and you. And I'm thankful for that because in this old flesh, I'm nothing but a sinner. But I've been saved by the marvelous, amazing grace of God. And you know what? I love him enough till I want to live for him. I never really understood uh, a lot about this until I experienced the grace of God in my own heart. I got to thinking about it. My dad is a it has always been a, a great Christian. And uh, dad whipped us a little every once in a while. And I didn't, you know, maybe when I was three or four years old, I didn't understand all that. And I thought, I wish daddy wouldn't do that. But, you know, there came a day when I realized that dad instructed us and led us to a place of obedience in our life because he didn't want us to be hurt. He didn't want us to crash in life. And I began to realize that, that dad loved us. And you know what happened in my heart when I realized dad wanted, wanted us to do right and he loved us? I began to realize in my heart I wanted to do Right for dad's sake. And you know the more I realize how much Jesus loves us. And how that he, he gives us victory. Makes me want to love him. Makes me want to live for him. Fall so short every day. Oh, say, oh, God, would you forgive me? 
Would you cleanse me? Lord, let me walk today so that you can look down here on this old earth at an old sinful boy that you saved. And you can say, I'm proud of my son. Proud of my boy. Nothing in the world better than all of that than to know that the Lord God himself approves of his children. I believe he does, don't you? But how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Let's pray together. Father, we don't even know how to ask. Our lives are, are so marred and scarred and sometimes, Lord, we feel like that we can't go on. But then we're reminded of your sweet love, of what you did for us on Calvary's cross, of what you're doing for us day by day. Lord, we, have, we can go on today because you live in our heart. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but you live in me. And I let the life that I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who died for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help us never to neglect that great salvation. Help us through this day, Lord. I thank you for these students, every one of them, and this faculty and, and this staff and people who've given their life here at Fruitland through the years. And Lord, what a pleasure and joy it is to be a part of it. And I pray, God, that I'd never be a disappointment to those around me and certainly never be a disappointment to you. In Jesus' name, amen.